Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Philip Lagerkranzer, in today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. It's Friday, November 11th. Okay, today on the show, we were going to discuss Bitcoin's performance over the past year from its high point of about $69,000 to its lows, falling below 17000 early this week after the equivalent of an earthquake jolted the world of digital assets. Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, had announced plans to buy out its big rival FTX, which was reportedly facing a liquidity crisis and appeared to be on the verge of collapse. But now that deal is apparently off. And that's caused a lot more mayhem and turmoil in already battered cryptocurrency markets. I've called up senior editor Ana Herrera so that we can go over just what happened here. So what's happening now? Uh, U.S. regulators are looking into this. Um, the deal is dead because Binance pulled out and now Sam Bankman-Fried has sent a major warning um, out to, to investors. Could you talk us through this a little bit, Anna? Let's start with the authorities in the U.S. probing FTX. We had a scoop on Thursday revealing that U.S. authorities, including the Securities and Exchange Commission, were looking at FTX potentially because essentially there's um, they could have been using customer funds in ways that they shouldn't. And then on top of it all, basically, we heard that Bankman Freed told his investors that he'd messed up. So, you know, it's kind of all up in the air now. There's going to be no bailout. And here we're talking about one of the biggest crypto firms, crypto exchanges. So the potential for contagion is massive. And if it's uh, anything like Terra, Terra Luna, it could like we could see those effects rippling through the crypto industry for quite a while because it takes a bit for positions to unwind and so, and so forth. Um, so we're going to start seeing, you know, which firms were exposed. And, you know, Sam Mankman-Fried kind of ominously said to his investors, according to our story, that, you know, if he doesn't get help, they might have to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, and I think it bears sort of recapping for the listeners. The One of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world... Um, a name that up until just this week was a blue chip name in crypto might now have to file for bankruptcy and they have a shortfall of as much as 8 billion US dollars. That sort of, it's, it's hard to overstate the the gravity of, of that situation, huh? Yeah, I mean... You know, if you're if you're one of our listeners, you will have heard this name so many times on this podcast before. Matt also interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, as he's known. Sam Bankman-Fried. When Sam Bankman-Fried said. Sam Bankman-Fried. 
And probably in this context, it might be quite shocking. Maybe you even have your money on FTX, right? Um, and withdrawals have been frozen. And, you know, if there's no bailout, who knows who will get their money back and how much of that money will, will be given back. So even if other bigger firms are in the same position, which is why I was talking about potential contagion, because if you can't get your money back, what if you owe someone else money and, and so forth? And, uh, you know, it's kind of infinite. So Sam Bankman fried told his investors he'd messed up and he was asking for for a rescue. He said he would be incredibly grateful if investors could help him. And so if they can't, then, you know, his firm might not make it. And the consequences could be quite dire for everybody who has money on them and the firms that are connected. So it is very serious. It's, you know, the latest in implosions in this crypto winter, but I think it sort of overshadows all the other ones we've had so far. And as Phil, you were saying, it's partly because we've seen this person over the summer appearing as the the white knight saving everyone else. So that while that was happening, he might have also been in trouble is quite um, it's quite interesting. And it, and it shows, again, the extent to which this industry, while it says it is all about transparency, it's quite still opaque. There's lack of regulation because in, in many cases it is, it is regulation and finance that brings transparency, right? Because it says you have to tell us what you own and where and where it is custodied and like what your reserves are. You know, we always talk about these firms as exchanges and I've had, you know, sources and, and market structure people tell me you shouldn't call these exchanges because they're just trading platforms. Exchanges are regulated. They have rules that says, say how many reserves you must have, when and how customer funds should be segregated. So... You know, I guess it's all coming to the forefront now, the lack of regulation and so forth. And now, as you said, you you don't know. I mean, you know, they're called an exchange. They're not really an exchange. A blue chip name has just sort of said that, you know, very realistically, we might not make it. Um, who can you trust in this in this environment? There, there must be just this pervasive sense of mistrust throughout the entire cryptosphere right now, huh? For sure. I mean, you know, in our line of work, we, we've been speaking to many of these players often, you know, our reporters, ourselves. So already in that sense, it come quite as a shock. But imagine if they were your counterparty and you were speaking to them like two days ago and doing a trade with them and all of a sudden you figure out that maybe they were insolvent. Um, mm. you know, that, 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 that will probably be shocking. And again, it, it calls into question risk management practices. And I think we'll see who, you know, who survives will kind of probably, I mean, some of it might be luck if you didn't have exposure in that moment, but maybe you were just being a bit more cautious. And one thing haven't sort of covered crypto for a while is that these exchange collapses are quite cyclical. It happens. It's happened before. Um, but, you know, I guess crypto at the beginning was a bit more like edgy and like people are like, oh, it's all dodgy. So it was it was in a way a bit more expected. But now that, you know, it's come to the mainstream, you have big banks and, and people being taken seriously. SBF was a, you know, big player in Washington, big donor in campaigns. He had like a conference where he had Bill Clinton on stage. Sam Bankman-Fried was very much in the public eye. He has a big... Um, influence in Washington. He was donating massively to campaigns. And, you know, he had Bill Clinton on stage at his conf- in a conference where he was sitting next to Bill Clinton. So, you know, he's kind of a public figure. So we've gone from like dodgy crypto anarchists collapsing, which is like, oh, that's their problem to like someone in the, you know, public eye. So it is very much more impactful, I think. 
More on the Binance FTX drama with Anna Herrera coming up right after the break. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I want to go back to Binance for a while. So if we recap this week for Binance, basically what's happened is here. CZ on Sunday goes out some tweets. I'm going to sell our FTT tokens because of recent revelations. And then, you know, steps back, chaos unfolds, uh, FTX gets swept away. They get an offer from SPF um, by us, basically. They get a full look at SPFs. Presumably, they get a look at FTX's books. And then they take a close look and they see something they don't like. They turn around, walk away, and they now are left with basically full insight into the workings of a competitor, presumably, and that competitor might no longer be around. Is that, is that sort of a fair summary of event? Where does this leave Binance? Of course, if Bitcoin crashes, then that's not great for anyone. But as I said, there's been exchange collapses for years. And what we've seen is like some players have emerged in a more stronger position. And Binance has been around for quite some time now. And they're quite aggressive. So I'm thinking they might be taking advantage of the situation and they might see you know, inflows go up. Um, and, you know, it, it leaves them in a potentially stronger position, although, of course, that depends to on what sort of happens to crypto in general. I don't think they had big dealings with, um, you know, like Wall Street. So if Wall Street gets a bit scared by what's happened, I don't know if that impacts them. Um, but for sure, you know, now one of the biggest retail trading platforms is gone and so people have to go somewhere else. Right. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine many crypto traders or people that have traded for a while deciding all of a sudden to sell all of it at a low, that would be, I mean, it would be surprising. It might happen, but, you know, they'll have to move their crypto somewhere. Some of it might go in cold storage, but if they want to continue to trading and operate, they'll have to move on another platform. And is it reasonable to to think in this sort of with this chapter, not behind us, we're, we're very much uh, still in the midst of it, but with what's played out over this week, 
Is it reasonable to think that institutional investors who were thinking about getting into crypto might just take a look at this and go, mm, wait a minute, um, I'm not so sure anymore? I mean, because that was always going to be the the sort of what crypto needed after the scandals we've had this year, like more retail, uh, sorry, in- institutional participation. Huh? So I think there's two interesting things going on. We've seen cryptocurrency uh, firms saying they're having more institutional interests. So institutions going on those platforms. But we've also seen institutions building their own infrastructure and platforms. So the issue is here is perhaps not whether the asset class is valuable. It's whether the people that are running the asset class are valuable, right? Do we trust the centralized crypto exchanges? Do we trust the big players in crypto? Is a different question, perhaps, to do we think that Bitcoin has any value as an asset? Because you could separate the two and say, well, we do still think that there's potential. We'll just set up our own exchanges we'll, and we'll do our own thing. We have our own, we, you know, there are many banks that are, have their own custody arms. And that will probably make them feel a bit safer because imagine if a crypto custodian collapses, you know, that that's really bad. But, you know, now you have someone like Bank of New York Mellon who's been custodying assets Um many other types of assets for a while that might make people feel safer. It doesn't necessarily mean that banks haven't had their own uh, issues in the past. But, you know, if you know, maybe if they think we're going to build our own infrastructure, we'll, we might still be doing things. But it will definitely be really interesting to see what they do. I'm thinking FTX, you know, they, they were also backed by a pension fund um, and Celsius, too. So, you know, like... <laughs> I don't know how many other pension funds will take stakes in crypto firms going forward, like imminently. Like there's got to be tougher questions being asked by the people behind those funds, right? Uh, or the stakeholders. It's. I think it was a teacher's pension fund from Canada. Again, as we've said before, what, what strikes in this crisis is the impact it's having on like all sorts of people. It's no longer just, oh, like crypto fanatics losing their money. It's It's potentially teachers losing their pensions. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen here because I don't think they invested all of it in FTX. But, you know, there were institutions that had come in for sure. And, you know, what if some of them got burned? All right. Thank you, Anna. You can follow this story and all of Anna's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. Anna is at Anna Herrera or A-N-N-A-I-R-R-E-R-A. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, there are a lot of ways that the crypto industry seems to be unlike any other. One of the big ones is its tolerance for losing spectacular amounts of money to hacks, scams and exploits. We'll be talking about the latest attacks on DeFi and how they're affecting trust in the overall ecosystem. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.